Good evening. Obama visits the White House to push the Affordable Care Act, chaos over a late budget in Albany, and accusations of war crimes and genocide in Ukraine come to New York City. As Mayor Adams says to Florida, if you can't say gay, come to New York City. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. Former President Barack Obama returned to the White House for the first time since leaving office today, throwing his support behind an effort to fix a glitch in his landmark health care law, the Affordable Care Act. He and President Joe Biden said the fix would save American families thousands of dollars in health care costs. The family glitch is a regulation in the ACA, that's the Affordable Care Act, that says, used to be known as Obamacare, that says a person can qualify for a tax credit and buy medical coverage in ACA exchanges if their employer doesn't offer affordable health insurance. The rule, however, extends only to the individual and not family members. President Biden. Once today's proposed rule is finalized, starting next year, working families in America will get the help they need to afford full family coverage. Everyone in the family. As a result, as a result, families will be saving hundreds of dollars a month. With this change, it's estimated that 200,000 presently uninsured Americans are going to gain coverage. Nearly one million Americans will see their coverage become more affordable. This is considered one of the biggest things my administration can do, lower cost and expand coverage. We're taking steps today to get that done. So look, folks, but we need we need to keep up the fight. Our Republican colleagues, as they say in Southern Delaware, haven't changed a whole hell of a lot. (laughs) Good folks, but haven't changed a lot. They continue to attack the Affordable Care Act. They're unrelenting, unrelenting. They haven't stopped, Mr. President, since you signed the law. They haven't stopped for one second. Multiple court challenges, you mentioned, sabotage from the previous administration. Over 70 attempts to repeal the law by Republicans in Congress. Tens of millions of Americans could lose their coverage, including young people who will no longer be able to stay on their parents' insurance policy at age 26. Premiums are going to go through the roof. Well, I got a better idea. Instead of destroying the Affordable Care Act, let's keep building on it. Let's extend it. Extend it. President Biden, during the event, Biden signed a new executive order directing federal agencies to do everything possible to expand affordable health coverage, which is basically a repeat of an order he issued upon taking office last year. The proposed rule to change the so-called glitch must go through the rulemaking process before it could become official. And he also mentioned about a dozen states that have refused to extend, even under current rules, Medicare to more of their citizens, a problem he tried to address as well through the order. And there were jokes between the two men. Obama opened his remarks referring to Biden as vice president, a role the latter served for both of Obama's turns. That was a joke, Obama said. That was all set up. My president, Joe Biden. Obama then went on to make light of Republican opposition to the ACA. It's been well documented just how difficult it was to pass the ACA. There, there's, you can get a lot of testimony here uh, in case uh, uh, folks haven't heard. 
You know, as a country, we have been talking about reforming health care for 100 years. Unlike almost every other advanced economy on Earth, we didn't have a system that guaranteed access to health care for all of its citizens. Millions of people didn't have health insurance, often because their employers didn't provide it or because it was too expensive. But despite the fact that our health care system didn't work well, it was hard to change. Health care represents about one-fifth of our economy. That's trillions of dollars that are involved. So there were a lot of different economic interests that were vying to maintain the status quo. And because the majority of Americans did have health care, some people naturally worried that they'd lose what they had. I intended to get health care passed even if it cost me re-election, which for a while looked like it might. <laughs> but for all of us, the ACA was an example of why you run for office in the first place, why all of you sign up for doing jobs that pay you less than you could make someplace else. To get the bill passed, we had to make compromises. We didn't get everything we wanted. That wasn't a reason not to do it. If you can get millions of people health coverage and better protection, it is, to quote a famous American, a pretty big deal. <laughs> Former President Barack Obama. Since it was passed more than a decade ago, the health care law has seen a number of revisions and numerous Republican-led efforts to repeal it. Former President Trump succeeded in getting the individual mandate repealed, requiring uninsured Americans to buy coverage or face a fine to ensure that enough people would participate in the system so the law would work properly. Last June, the Supreme Court voted 7-2 to two to dismiss a claim by 18 Republican-led states that the ACA is unconstitutional. Biden called the decision a victory for every American. And closer to home, the New York state budget is nearly a week late. The legislature has passed a stopgap through Thursday as protesters representing causes from anti-eviction relief, opposition to reinstating bail and anti-Semitic violence, among others, have been trying to influence legislators. It will be Governor Kathy Hochul's first state budget. Yesterday, she downplayed the dysfunction, but one of the sticking points is the bill designed to reduce the state's dependency on fossil fuels. Linda Perry reports. Negotiations continue in Albany. A behind-the-scenes struggle has been playing out. It pits the fossil fuel industry against the interest of New Yorkers working to enact a statewide ban on gas in new New York State construction. The bill in question is similar to a law passed in December in New York City. It's the All-Electric Building Act sponsored by Assemblymember Emily Gallagher. She represents Greenpoint, Williamsburg, Clinton Hill, and Fort Greene, Brooklyn. She points to the U.N. Climate Report, which came out this week. We are being told that we need to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. And we need investment in the shift to low carbon. And right now, the, the report says that that shift that we are doing is six times lower than needed by 2030. 2030 is in eight years. That is not a long time. And New York already has the infrastructure and the ideas to make this work here. We have this bill in New York City. We have already worked out the details. We have examples from other countries of how well this works. 
the technology is used in Norway, a very cold country. You know, there's enough energy in the grid. These fossil fuel companies are pouring lies into our governmental uh, representatives' ears in order to keep us making the same poor decisions that we made in the past. Assemblymember Gallagher says fossil fuels and their money must become unwelcomed in New York State. According to Peter Sakura of New York Communities for Change, New York State Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie is holding up the agreement. Sakura told Popular Information that Hastie is standing up for the oil and gas lobbyists. Misleading ads have been placed to alarm New Yorkers by several members of New Yorkers for Affordable Energy. It's a coalition of corporate interests who are financial patrons of Hasty? Alex Beauchamp is Northeast Regional Director at Food and Water Watch. He says that for the first time, the UN Climate Report is warning us in New York and around the globe that it's the political power of the fossil fuel industry that's hampering the ability to deal with the largest threat facing all of us. Over and over and over again, the IPCC cites the ridiculous political power of the fossil fuel industry as a central barrier to achieving the change we desperately need. And for those of us in the fight in New York, this comes as no surprise, right? We're currently in a huge battle to ban gas in new buildings, to ban all fossil fuels in new buildings. And what we're up against is a giant campaign, a giant AstroTurf campaign uh, funded by the fossil fuel industry and their allies and the utilities Um, And they're doing what they always do, right? They're blanketing social media with ads, including ads that contain outright lies about the bill. They're employing an an army of lobbyists to prowl the halls of Albany and talk to our elected officials. It's the same old playbook that we've seen for decades. The state Senate is pushing for a gas ban starting in 2024 for new buildings, and the governor also proposes a gas ban. But they've been unable to get the Assembly to negotiate on the bill, the All-Electric Building Act. Meanwhile, the bill has the support of 56 senators and Assembly members from across New York State. And there's an enormous amount of constituent pressure on Speaker Hastie to come to the table on this issue. Linda Perry, WBAI News, New York. Thanks, Linda. In related news, a group of financial donors committed to racial equity plans to announce today it secured at least $100 million annually to benefit minority groups that are disproportionately harmed by extreme weather events. The group, the Donors of Color Network, put together the Climate Funders Justice Pledge that commits donors to make their climate-related grants transparent, directing at least 30% of their donations to groups that have black, indigenous, or other people of color as their leaders. In its 2020 State of the Air report, the American Lung Association found that people of color were 1.5 times more likely to live in an area with poor air quality than white people were. And in news of the war in Ukraine, two of Brittany Grinner's USA basketball teammates have broken their silence on the star players' imprisonment in Russia. Most WNBA players have been hesitant to talk about Grenier's detention on apparent drug charges in Russia, hoping to avoid potentially hurting her case. The Phoenix Mercury star was detained after arriving at a Moscow airport in mid-February. Russian authorities say a search of her luggage revealed vape cartridges that allegedly contained oil derived from cannabis, which could carry a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison in Russia. Grenier was returning to the country after the Russian League was taking a break for the FIBA, 
World Cup qualifying tournament. WNBA former star and current head coach for the triplets, Lisa Leslie, had this to say. We're told was to not make a big fuss about it so that they could not use her as a pawn, so to speak, in this situation in war. So to, to make it like it's not that important or don't make it we're like free Britney and we start this campaign. Do we know is that the right thing to do or not? It's heartbreaking. Right. I mean, for, for all Thank of us, to, that's the feelings of it. I mean, you right. want to do more and you think, should we all use our social media platform and and get behind it? Right. Or not like nobody really. This is the first time we're in a situation. You don't know what to do. Lisa Leslie is a former WNBA star and current head coach for the triplets. Grenier is not the only American detained in Russia. Marine veteran Trevor Reed was sentenced to nine years in prison in 2020 on charges alleging that he assaulted police officers in Moscow. And Michigan corporate security executive Paul Whelan is serving a 16-year sentence on espionage charges that his family and the United States government have said are false. U.S. officials have publicly called for Moscow to release them all. Meanwhile, here in Washington, or on this side of the uh, ocean in Washington, the war in Ukraine was on top of the agenda. During a congressional hearing about the Defense Department budget, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin fired back at Representative Matt Gates after the Florida Republican accused the Pentagon of embracing socialism and blowing calls in Ukraine and Afghanistan, leading Austin to question Gates's patriotism. All the time. Your question you guys have been blowing a lot of calls socialism. lately on the matters of no. strategy, Mr. Secretary. You guys told us that Russia couldn't lose. You told us that the Taliban couldn't immediately win. And so I guess I'm wondering, what in the $773 billion that you're requesting today is going to help you make assessments that are accurate in the face of so many blown calls? Behind in hypersonics, we failed to deter Russia. So what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're behind in hypersonics? How, how do you? Okay, who do you, who's ahead in hypersonics? So I make that assessment one, because China is, is wielding hypersonic weapon systems and we are still developing them. Your own people brief us that we are behind and that China is winning. This is the most capable, the most combat credible force in the world. It has been and it will be so uh, going forward. Not if and we this continue down this path. To do that. Not if we embrace socialism. The, the fact that you're embarrassed by your by your country. By oh no no, no. I'm embarrassed by I'm, your leadership. I'm sorry for I am that. not embarrassed for my country. I wish it's we were not losing saying. to China. It's I what wish you're we saying. Were, you know what? The that's you know that is so that is so disgraceful that you would sit here and conflate your failures with the failures of the uniformed service members. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done? And our allies have done. But that was have, baked have you into your flawed assessment. That? that was baked into your flawed assessment. And so yeah, I saw that the Obama administration the, the that we tried to Ukraine destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. I yield back. Matt Gates is one of former President Donald Trump's biggest supporters. He's also the subject of an investigation of allegations he took a teenager across state lines for a sexual encounter. Hypersonics are missiles used in Ukraine by Russia's military. Its missiles can evade anti-missile systems by flying much faster than the speed of sound. The United States military budget uh, that they're describing right now is about $783 billion, as big as the next three or four countries combined, including Russia. In related news, Army General Mark Milley, the military's top general, endorsed building new permanent American bases in Eastern Europe to deter Russia, calling its invasion of Ukraine the most historical turning point in the continent's security since World War II. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff told lawmakers heightened American military presence is always a good deterrent against enemy aggression.
My advice would be uh, to create permanent bases, but don't permanently station. So you get the effect of permanence by rotational forces cycling through permanent bases. Uh, and, and, and what you don't have to do is incur the cost of family moves, uh, PXs, schools, housing, and that sort of thing. So you cycle through expeditionary forces through forward deployed permanent bases. And I believe that a lot of our European allies, especially those uh, such as in the Baltics or Poland or Romania or elsewhere, uh, they are very, very willing to establish permanent bases. Uh, they'll build them, they'll pay for them, et cetera. And that was Mark Milley. He's the head chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. His comments to the House Armed Services Committee came after Air Force General Todd Walters, the commander of all U.S. and NATO forces in Europe, told senators last week he suspected the United States could need to station more troops on the continent. And in New York, Russia's ambassador to the United Nations, Vasily Nebenzia, confronted Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the United Nations Security Council as Moscow has come under fire over the alleged mass killings in the Ukrainian town of Bucha near the capital of Kiev. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres also addressed the session, saying the effects of the conflict are spreading beyond the immediate battlefield. The war has led to senseless loss of life, massive devastation in urban centers, and the destruction of civilian infrastructure. I will never forget the horrifying images of civilians killed in Butcher, and I immediately called for an independent investigation to guarantee effective accountability. And I'm also deeply shocked by the personal testimony of rapes and sexual violence that now are emerging. The High Commissioner for Human Rights has spoken of possible war crimes, grave breaches of international humanitarian law, and serious violations of international human rights law. And the Russian offensive has also led to the displacement of more than 10 million people in just one month, the fastest forced population movement since the Second World War. Far beyond Ukraine's borders, the war has led to massive increases in, its pri in prices of food, energy and fertilizers, because Russia and Ukraine are linchpins of these markets. It has disrupted supply chains and increased the cost of transportation, putting even more pressure on the developing world. For all these reasons, it is more urgent by the day to silence the guns. And as the U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, Ukraine has accused Russian forces of war crimes in Bucha after images of dead bodies scattered on the streets of the city emerged over the weekend. The United States has accused Russia of war crimes and Zelensky has called the war a genocide against Ukraine. Zelensky addressed the council by video link from Ukraine today. Yesterday, I returned from our city of Bucha, recently liberated from Russian troops not far from Kiev. So there is not a single crime that they would not commit there. The Russian military searched for and purposefully killed anyone who served our country. They sh killed, shot and killed women outside their houses when they just tried to call someone who is alive. They killed entire families, adults and children, and they tried to burn the bodies. They are deliberately creating conditions in the temporarily occupied territories so that as many civilians as possible are killed there. Uh, the massacre in our city of Bucha is only one, unfortunately, only one of 
many examples of what the occupiers have been doing on our land for the past 41 days. And there are many more cities, similar places where the world will, has yet to learn the full truth. Mariupol, Kharkiv, Chernobyl, and dozens of other Ukrainian communities, each of them is similar to Bucha. But Russia's ambassador to Benzia accused the West of blatant inconsistencies in the version promoted by the Ukrainian and Western media regarding the events in Bucha and claimed that Russia has hundreds, if not thousands, of testimonies of people who are ready to testify about the cruelty of Ukrainian nationalists. I simply would like to uh, take advantage of the virtual presence here of the uh, president of Ukraine and would like to uh, address him directly. Now, we place on your conscience uh, the uh, ungrounded uh, uh, accusations against the uh, Russian military, which are not confirmed by any, uh, any eyewitnesses. And we spoke about this in detail yesterday at our press conference. Vladimir Alexandrovich, we all remember when in 2019 you were elected as the president of Ukraine. Now, there were a lot of hopes uh, tied to your election because uh, you, uh, you uh, were, as a candidate, uh, pledged peace and an end to the war in Donbass, uh, uh, including the Russian-speaking population, which you pledged to protect. China, which has emerged as a mediator of sorts in the conflict, has been trying to cool the conflict. Today at the United Nations, China's ambassador said no one should jump to conclusions without an independent investigation. The reports and images of civilian deaths in Bucha are very disturbing, and the relevant circumstances and specific causes of the incident must be verified and established. Any and all accusations should be based on facts. Before conclusions are drawn, parties should exercise restraint and avoid unfounded accusations. The spillover effects of the Ukrainian crisis is having a major impact on the world and the developing countries in particular. This requires our great attention and our strengthened management. China's ambassador to the United Nations today. In related news, the United States stopped the Russian government yesterday from paying holders of its sovereign debt more than $600 million from reserves held at U.S. banks in a move meant to ratchet up pressure on Moscow and eat into its holdings of dollars. Under sanctions put in place after Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, foreign currency reserves held by the Russian Central Bank and U.S. financial institutions were frozen. Russia does have the wherewithal to pay from reserves since sanctions have frozen roughly half of some $640 billion in Russia's gold and foreign currency reserves. If Russia fails to make any of its upcoming bond payments within their predefined timeframes or pays in rubles or dollars, euros, or